0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Thank you so much. Good morning. You're all looking lovely today. I'm excited to be here, I'm going to, mm, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. What am I going to do with this, Gordon? I'm going to give it to you. Sorry, well, this? yes, okay. I do. Okay, well, how is everyone doing? Good, good. good, that was good worship. I was blessed, big time blessed. Um, I'm really, really excited to be here with you and share um, what is on my heart Um, When Pastor Lance contacted me in regards to being with you on this particular morning, I just loved the vision that he had for you this month. And just as he has explained, um, you know, you guys are, through the month of December, going through a season of hope. And um, as Pastor Lance said, you've already touched in um, hope in salvation. And this week I'm here to encourage you in hope in adversity. Um, I have to admit, I knew ahead of time that Pastor Lance was going to be contacting me in regards to speaking on this um, topic because my sister-in-law, Grace um, McClellan here, kind of ran it by me and said, hey, what do you think about this? And when when she asked me and kind of ran it past me, she actually said, how would you feel about uh, speaking on hope in tragedy? And at first I was like, oh, hope in tragedy? It kind of felt... Like a little bit of a a slap in the face almost because in order for one to be able to talk and speak on such a subject, you would have have to like almost been given a license to be able to do that. You would have to have gone through a tragedy of sorts, and when I look back on my life, I, I certainly don 't see any tragedy in it, although I have had people come up to me after sharing my story and and stuff like that and say, it's such a tragedy. And my response is always, no, it's not. It's full of hope. But I certainly don't see my life as tragic. And as Pastor Lance already mentioned, in the wake of everything that happened this week in Connecticut, I certainly know that my life is not a tragedy. Um, so I asked Pastor Lance if we could change the word to adversity, because it sounds less tragic. <laughs> so, today's topic is hope and adversity, and when I sat down, um, to prepare for this morning, I kind of did my own little challenge to myself to say, Kristen, what, what does hope mean to, to you? Uh, what's your own little definition of it? And, uh, two things kind of came to my mind. Um, I thought, you know, well, hope is, like, something good that's, that's yet to come. Um, and it also kind of made me play the word association uh, game. And for some reason, the word hope also made me think of the word light. Um, when I actually did look it up on the dictionary, I discovered that I wasn't too far off on my, my own self uh, definition. Um, the dictionary says that uh, hope is the feeling of um, what is wanted can be had. Um, it's to look forward to something with desire, or, and the third thing that it popped up was to believe, desire, and trust. Um, so I'm going to share my story with you, and I want you to journey with me, um, and we go back to the year 2008. That's where we're starting. So spring 2008, I was due with my first baby, I was one month away from having my first child, and I had had a very good, healthy pregnancy. And in my nosy, excited mom I decided to ask my doctor, please, can I have one last ultrasound, you know, just to see baby before he actually gets here. Um, and it was only mo- one month away, so usually they don't give you ultrasounds that, that late. Um, especially if you've had a good, healthy pregnancy, there's no need to have an ultrasound. But for whatever reason, thank you, Lord, he obliged and said, sure. And it actually, um, the ultrasound actually revealed that um, baby had some brain abnormalities. Um, That led to a lot of doctor's appointments for us. Um, And my husband Mike and I had a lot of questions for these doctors, and they couldn't even give us answers because they didn't know what baby would be like until baby got here. And so we had our first son, Beckett, on May 17, 2008. And as Beckett began to grow, we discovered he was this wonderfully bright uh, little boy. Um, but when he was one month old, he had an MRI done, and his MRI revealed that he has a small cerebellum. And your cele- cerebellum is... is um, in Latin, it means the, the little brain, and it's a section of your brain at, at the back here. And it's in charge of your fine motor skills and your, your coordination and um, gives you the ability to just do things with, you know, grace and ease almost. And, and that was not going to be the case for, for Beckett. And even to the age of um, four and a half that he is right now, he still is unable to walk. He's unable to stand independently because your cere- cerebellum is what gives you your balance. And is able to make you stand um, but when we first heard that this was this was the case we didn 't know that Beckett would make as much progress as he had as he has now, um, and that was something that was really hard and at the time, you know I had grown up in church my whole life, I was practically born in a pew, um, but as I got older, church really had kind of become just the Sunday morning hat that I put on, and then on on Mondays, I just took it off and kind of did my own thing. But in the actual moment of being faced with something that was uh, this harder than what I was willing to to almost prepare for, um, I felt that I was forced to be to to acknowledge that maybe my faith really was only as strong as the Sunday morning attender that I had become. Um, it was the first time ever that life had really challenged what I knew of faith and what I knew of God. Um, and it, as it turned out, I didn't really actually know that much about faith or what it looked like or what it meant to really trust and believe in God. I can say because of my upbringing and Sunday school and stuff like that, I did have a few familiar verses from the Bible that I could just pull quickly. And one of them was Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. And I'm going to pause my story right here for a moment, and I'm just going to point something out, just a highlight almost, um, because it's something that I've discovered in my journey, and I didn't really realize it until now, looking back in hindsight, but it's something that's a decision that started at the beginning of my journey, and that's why I'm highlighting it now, because this is the beginning of my story. So as Hebrews 11, one says, um, you know, uh, what is faith? It is confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Your two key words in that verse are faith and hope. They almost need to, like, coexist together. And when you actually look at the word faith in the, in the dictionary, it says... Uh, faith is confidence or trust in a person or thing, a belief that is not based on proof or belief in God. Uh, life is made up of a series of events and choices and it was at this beginning point of my journey that I made the choice and to make every effort to have faith in God and choose to put faith in him. To have him be a part of every day no matter what it looked like. And it wasn't easy and it took a lot for me to say, okay, God, I trust you with my baby and how he grows and how he turns out and I'm just going to trust you. And so Mike and I continued to put one foot in front of the other and we did pretty good. We started to read our Bibles more and more and really seek out God and, dis- and we discovered verse like, verses like, these things seem impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. And that God is loving and kind and patient and slow to anger, abounding in love. And that Jesus came to give us a future and a hope. And as we let these words and the truths of these words penetrate to the depths of our hearts and really renew our minds and reminding ourselves of these things daily, we felt more and more confident regarding our future and our well-being. Because we knew that the God of the universe... He's got a much better view than we do, was looking out for us. And that gave me hope. So you see, my faith in God and discovering these things had a beautiful outcome of hope. Hope is the direct result of faith. And as Beckett grew, we could see God's hand and faithfulness because our little man was doing so so well, and he is still doing so so well. You guys, I just have to tell you, um, I know Beckett. Like he walks with a walker, and he doesn't walk independently. But we do little exercises with him because you know we believe that he is going to walk one day. And the other day, he stood up all by himself for seven seconds. Seriously, I was blown away and so excited. Anyways, that's just really exciting. Um, Okay, we're going back to 2008. So Beckett is now around, he was born in May, take us to December 2008. And Mike and I, it was two weeks before Christmas. um, Yeah, probably around this time. And Mike and I were heading home from just doing Christmas shopping. And it was really windy and it was it was just blustery and cold, and we, were, we do a lot of highway driving, and um, we were trailing behind a few cars, and one of the cars in front of us started to swerve, and it actually hit a car head-on that was oncoming, and we witnessed a head-on collision. And Mike and I pulled over instantly, and Beckett was asleep in the back seat, left the car running. I was instantly on the phone. We were both running to the ditch. I'm calling 911. And uh, Mike, he's a firefighter, and he's an EMT. And so he was passing along information to me to give to the dispatchers. And it was this 50-year-old woman, no pulse, we might need stars, for sure the jaws of life. And as I, you know, relayed this information to the dispatcher, I eventually just handed the phone to Mike, and I went to go and seek out the other person who had been involved in the accident. Um, And it was a young girl who was about 18, and when I found her, she was standing in the middle of, of, of the road almost on her phone with her mom. And I just hugged her and all she was saying, Mom, I I, I I had an accident and the woman's unconscious. I hope she's gonna be okay. And I already knew that this lady didn't have a pulse. I never saw that girl again. And the lady in the other vehicle died instantly. And at night, as Mike and I sat in the warmth of our home in front of our fireplace, I could not help but be completely altered by how fast that accident had occurred. She was That lady who had died was probably 10 seconds before that, thinking, oh, I got to get this gift for, for my aunt, and I have to bake this stuff still left, and blah, 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 and little did she know that in a very short time, she would be gone. And that sent me into this small phase of anxiety because for a few weeks, I was always worried about my family, my friends, that something horrible was going to happen to them and that we were just going to be blindsided by it. Just like that lady. I realized, like I said, how fast things can happen. And I discovered that I was questioning, God, why do these things happen? It's so unfair. And again, I felt life was challenging my faith in God and his character and what I had been starting to learn about, but I was shaken. And it had a direct effect on the hope that I had, and things seemed to get dim. Little did I know that another lesson of how fast things can change was just around the corner. And in March 2009, my mother-in-law, Jackie, was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And she passed away just four short months after. That same July, my sister-in-law, Melanie, who, um, I mean, our family is very close, um, but she also happened to be my mother-in-law, Jackie's palliative care nurse. So Melanie's been looking after mom and, and watching, watching mom go everything, through everything that she's going through. And then mom passes away, and then Melanie receives um, news that her younger sister, Caitlin, who was only 15, had a brain tumor. And Melanie receiving that news kind of felt like us receiving that news. And cancer was attacking us from all sides. God, what is going on? In fall 2009, I got pregnant with my second son. And we continued to support Melanie and try to support her family in prayer as they, you know, went through everything with Caitlin. And I had a great pregnancy with Taven, and Taven was born in June, on June 4th, 2010. After Taven was born, we thought, okay, life, we're going to get back on our feet now. Let's do this thing, okay? And then in August 2010, When Beckett was just over two years old, and Taven was just two months old, I got diagnosed with kidney cancer. Thirteen months after my mother-in-law passed away from the exact same disease. The doctors told me they wouldn't actually know if it was cancer or not until they actually did surgery and removed it, and they said that it was very treatable and that they'd do surgery and remove it, and that I had a 95% chance of living to a ripe old age but that did little comfort for me in the wake of everything that I just watched my mother-in-law go through, and fear constantly was knocking at my door. And I constantly tried to answer that door with faith. I found a Bible verse in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, that says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord... The Lord is the rock eternal. And I read that verse over and over. I discovered that trust reminded me of faith, and faith reminded me of hope. I was scheduled to have my uh, kidney surgery in November uh, 2010, and and, um, life decided to throw yet another curveball. We discovered that I was pregnant with my third son, and when I looked at that pregnancy test, my stomach just dropped. I didn't know what surgery and pregnancy looked like, and I really wasn't sure I wanted to find out because it sounded really scary. Please, Lord, was all I could muster. And just in the cor- instantly, after whispering those words in the corners of my heart, I instantly felt peace. And I felt the words this baby is gonna be okay and something in me knew that it was true and I believe it was hope being stirred within me I instantly from that moment phoned my doctor to let him know of this new exciting turn of events and he um, called me later that night with a list of options um, a: I could wait to have surgery until after the baby was born, but then I would possibly miss my chance for a cure and die. Two, I could have surgery while I was pregnant, but he assumed that the painkillers and the anesthesia would have a severe effect on the baby and that the baby would be severely handicapped, and I already had a child with complications. so would I really want to? Or C, just terminate the baby altogether? In my mind, I thought D, none of the above. And I bawled my face off to my husband. It was too much. Just Beckett, watching that lady die, mom dying, watching Melanie support uh, Caitlin through her battling cancer, and then me, and now this. Now we're trying to have me be having surgery on a cancer while I'm pregnant. I just don't know if I can do that but it really took me to a deeper learn, uh, level of learning how to trust God and what faith really meant. I had my surgery on February 1st, 2011, while I was five months pregnant, and everything turned out really well. Um, my doctors said that um, the tumor and, and was gone and that all the margins around it were clear, and this was really, really great news. Then in May, Caitlin, my sister-in-law, Melanie's, baby sister passed away at the age of 17. She fought a very, very brave battle, and she was a credible, incredible girl, because her make-a-wish that she got, because she was so young, was used to um, give water wells to thousands of people in Ethiopia, in Africa. Um, my third son, Beckett, I mean, oh, I can't even keep them straight, seriously. They're all too close together, and they all drive me crazy, and I'm just going to call them by numbers. So number three, otherwise known as Lincoln, was born on June thirteenth, 2011, and any concerns that anesthesia and... Um, surgery was going to have complications, and that he was going to be premature, and there were going to be uh, was that he wasn't going to be healthy was easily squashed when he came in weighing nine five. So, <laughs> he was very healthy, and still is a very healthy little brute. Um, uh, August came around, and I knew that, because um, I had my, my surgery in February, August came around, and I knew, okay, we're about six months away from when I had my surgery, and I know that my first six-month checkup is coming up, but I don't know if I should go from the actual day of my surgery, or should I go from when I saw my doctor last, which was in April, which is like eight weeks different. So I phoned the doctor and said, when do you want me to come in for my, f- my checkup? My first checkup. Because once you've been diagnosed with cancer, you go for routine checkups all the time. And they said, oh, come in October. And I was like, it's August. I'm coming now. (laughs) And um, it's a good thing that I did. Because even though I, in my heart, wanted to go in there and have them check everything and say, "You, everything's good and awesome. You can be sent on your merry way. uh, That's not what happened at all. My ultrasound uh, revealed that I had some very swollen lymph nodes around my kidney that looked suspicious. And a further, a further CT scan showed um, that the cancer was back and that it had spread to my lymph nodes, my spine, and my left lung. I, with, I met with my surgeon a few weeks later, and he sat Mike and I down um, and said, this isn't a cancer that can be cured which I responded to him, no, this is a cancer you can't cure. I'm so brazen sometimes. I think, I think my doctors hate me a little bit sometimes. But he looked at me and said, this is a cancer that can't be cured. And then he took a breath and looked at us and said, you have one to two years left to live. And in that moment, as I watched those words come out of my doctor's mouth, I felt... A peace in the depths of my heart, uh, like an awakening of sorts, um, uh, overwhelming sense to live and just be full of life. I felt like someone, and I'd like to think that maybe it was an angel, had come and put their hands over my ears as if to say, No, those words aren't true. You're going to be okay. And what was even more encouraging to me was that it was the same still small voice I heard when I discovered that I was pregnant with Lincoln. And that still small voice told me that Lincoln was going to be okay. So I'm going to be okay too. I'd be lying if I say that I didn't cry my head off and be full of fear and all of those things. But my mind would completely recall and compound as many verses as I could um, trust in the Lord and you will have peace. We, we live by faith and not by sight. It does not matter what those CT scans are showing. It's not mattering what I see. I know my faith tells me I am healed. So that's what's happening. <laughs> my doctors uh, proceeded to tell us that I would be put on um, a drug called Sutent, but it wasn't going to be something that was going to cure me. It was something that was meant to maybe hopefully slow things down and to prolong my life Uh, the type of cancer um, is very rare and it's not in the cut it out and all is well bracket and it's not even in the chemo and radiation bracket it's not responsive to these things and so this drug that would hopefully slow it down um, was their only suggestion but they weren't even really sure it would do much So my appointment, um, that appointment was earlier in the morning, and we had other scans that needed to be done. And later that day, I had to go home and tell my family the news. I knelt down on the carpet in the living room of my parents' house and looked at my parents as they sat side by side on the couch, and I had to tell them what the doctors had told me. Telling them that and watching the pain of this news on my parents' face was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. And in that moment, I didn't cry because I still felt that I was going to be okay. But I couldn't have imagined what they were feeling. As a parent having to hear, your baby has cancer and is going to die, my heart just breaks because I can turn it around. On myself because I've got babies of my own. But then the coolest thing happened. I called my entire family my aunts, my uncles, cousins, sisters, parents, grandparents, and some close friends. And everyone dropped what they were doing that day. And they came over. And do you know what we did? We prayed together and we sang.
1: Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.
0: I never felt so proud of being a part of my family as that day. And the faith that had been passed along to each one of us, I quickly realized that Mike and I were not alone in this. Even when everybody left, I found myself saying, well, that was a good day. And my husband looked at me like, you are out of your mind. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? But that wasn't me. I don't believe a statement like, that was a good day, on a day when someone's told you you're going to die in X amount of years. Is done or said in in your own power that that was that was my faith in God and my God at work in me giving me strength so in the days after Mike and I and my family members went on the journey of what do we do now the doctors told us that this isn't like this isn't a normal treatable thing what do we do And I said, Lord, if we're supposed to do some alternative or natural therapy, oh, seriously, you're going to have to really make this obvious. Please just show us. If I'm supposed to take the suitant and you're going to use it, then fine. Just please make one thing stand out more than the other. Please. And he did. God provided and prompted our journey through divine just craziness. I can't even get into it because I swear for me to compress my four and a half years into this amount of time, I'm trying my best. And if I go over, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But just these events that, and they all, they all pointed to one specific type of therapy. Um, And it completely changed the way my life was ever run. This protocol, this natural therapy that we had felt led to took discipline it was it's honestly the hardest thing i have ever done and it didn't only just alter my life completely it altered my parents and my husband and my kids, we had to move in with my parents because of just the craziness of preparation to follow the protocol requir- required. And I remember so many times being, I was 28 at the time, um, I was this young, like, mom of three, I'm 29 now, so. Um, but I was just be crying because I could hear the boys playing or in the yard or, like, doing all this stuff, and I felt like I was missing out on it. And it seemed so unfair why couldn't this have been a cancer that, was, that conventional medicine could have fixed? But God provided strength every single day, and he has continued to do so every single day. He also supplied opportunities that I would have never imagined I was asked to perform and speak and share my story at the 2011 Edmonton Singing Christmas Tree, which that in itself um, is pretty cool because it's held at the Jubilee Auditorium in Edmonton, one of the biggest stages there are. Um, But I also got to write my own song for it. I'd have the whole orchestra, the whole choir, the whole works there with me. Um, Doing that led to TV interviews and even a front page article of the Edmonton Journal featuring my journey of faith on the front page of the, of the Edmonton Journal. I also started um, an album which I just recently released last November and or I mean just like last month <laughs> whatever <laughs> and, and I all these exciting things have been happening um, this the whole time but it's been during One of the hardest battles of my life. And again, these incredible events and opportunities are not of anything of my own doing. The Lord has just brought me through and has just been giving me the strength. And people were always amazed by my joy and my upbeat attitude and would ask me, how are you doing that? And I said, it's my faith. My faith in God and the promises of healing are giving me hope. And strength that I need. And it's even, he's even given me joy. So at the Singing Christmas Tree last year, 2011, I felt fine. I could tell things were off, but I felt fine. (laughs) Uh, I could feel that lumps were getting bigger. And um, I had discovered that that there was a new lump uh, forming on my scalp. And even though we were following our natural therapy and, and we, that we knew that God had led us to, it seemed to be proving to do nothing, or at least nothing that we could see. And I would, posi- I would always have to remind myself, we live by faith and not by sight. I do believe the therapy helped me feel as well as I did, and I still do, but every single CT scan was worse and worse, And to this day, they've never gotten better. The lump on my head continued to grow. And in May 2012, so yeah, May, I had an attempted surgery uh, to have it removed. But it wasn't just a tumor um, that was growing on my scalp. And it turned out that what was being seen on the outside was just the tip of the iceberg. And that this tumor had actually originated in my skull and had grown outwards to form a lump on my head, but it had also grown inwards. Doctors decided that this tumor was close enough to the surface and was close enough to a vital organ, my magnificent brain, that, you know what, maybe radiation was worth a try. Not to cure it, but hopefully to shrink it or something. So I did 10 rounds of a low-dose radiation, and I made it through pretty good. Our prayer the entire time was that the radiation would do abundantly more than we hoped or expected. And I had, um, I had three days left of radiation when I met with an incredible neurologist, and he um, actually showed me the actual CT scan of my brain. And when they said that it was growing on the inside, I didn't imagine that it was like grow like pushing my squishing my brain over and my doctor kind of was looking at me in awe saying so you don't have headaches no you're not like throwing up all- no you're not like feeling numbness on this side of your body or pre- no every a- every question that I- and symptom that I was possibly supposed to be feeling because I have this giant tumor s- sticking into my brain the answer was no And I believe it's because I was completely protected. He was baffled. But because it was so bad, he decided that we should probably, barring a miracle, he said, we should probably do surgery on it. Surgery would mean removing the piece of my skull, putting in a plate, doing a skin graft from my thigh, Hoping the skin graft would actually take, taking an artery from the side of my neck, just craziness. I didn't want to do it. And I had three rounds of radiation left. And I was like, Lord, let this work, please. So I finished my rounds of radiation and I thought, man, I am the bomb. I am sailing through this. Like, no side effects. I am covered. And then I got blindsided with sickness on the last day of my radiation I got so ill I ate nothing and I only slept and I ate I, I lost 12 pounds in that time and I woke up on the third day weighing a whopping 113 pounds I'm 5'9 I think I was born weighing 113 pounds like that's not even that's not good But I slowly built up my appetite, and day by day, I got stronger. And every night, Mikey faithfully faithfully would kneel beside my bed and say, Lord, I pray that tomorrow is better than today. And every day was always better. I got better and better and better. I had a follow-up CT scan um, two weeks after my radiation, and uh, the scan showed that things had gotten completely worse. Everything was bigger. My doctor kept on asking how I was feeling, and she was amazed at my answers. She ended our conversation with, well, Kristen, you certainly are defying all odds right now. You have us completely baffled. And I said, yeah, that's what God kind of does. However, after that conversation, she left me to say, you know, well... We've done our part now, and things are getting worse. I guess if you need us, call us, but whenever you're ready. Um, So if I needed her, I could call her. And in the weeks to follow, um, the tumor on the outside of my head actually did begin to change, and it started to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And I ended up having another follow-up appointment with my neurologist, and he decided that, you know what? it's looking really good. I don't think we need to do surgery. Oh, thank you. I'd like to keep that portion of my skull if I possibly could. But he said, you look pretty good and you seem to be doing fine. So once again, if you need me, call me, he said. And I'm still doing fine. I'm here. A year and a half ago, they told me I wouldn't be. But I am. And it's by the grace of God and his ability to sustain. The battle is still not over. Just three weeks ago, I finished doing ten more rounds of radiation. They treated four spots this time. One in my shoulder, one in my sternum, and two spots in my spine. I had, so that was three weeks ago, I had about nine days to feel crappy and hope that i recovered because i was doing the 2012 edmonton singing christmas tree again and so last weekend i was on the jubilee auditorium stage singing my heart out and i believe that it is by the strength of god He is able to do abundantly more. I haven't done anything to be as well as I am other than believe that God is watching out for me and taking care of me, trusting in him day by day, putting my faith in him, his word, his son Jesus, the promises of God, And the result has been hope, joy, strength, peace, and so much more. And it all began with a choice. The beginning of my journey, I said, No, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you, God. And the result was hope. Through the last four and a half years, it's been, it's put my, it's taken my faith to a much deeper level. And a lot of people would call it a journey of faith, but I actually like to call it a journey of hope because I believe I'm going to be healed. Because that's what God's word says. And if you said it, this is going to be done. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I'm just going to wait. And um, as I close, I'm going to actually share a song with you from my album. Uh, And it's actually the Christmas song that I wrote last year for the Edmonton uh, Singing Christmas Tree. And some of the lyrics of the song are, uh, Well, that baby in a manger, He made a path, and he made a way To bring you hope for tomorrow And strength to face each day.
1: breaking friends and family gather it's Christmas time but you force a smile life's troubles bring you down through your brokenness and unfilled dreams you think of Christmas Roy this Christmas time you can find Though your heart may be broken And your world may seem destroyed That precious child He can bring you joy by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Lake
0: Community Church, a place where families come together.